This is Coach Ron Polk, and there's no way I'd ever listen to the Out of Left Field show with Bart and Charlie, even if I could listen through my flip phone or typewriter. Coach Polk. Coach Polk. You know, he actually patted my belly the other day and told me I was getting too fat. I said I said the other day that I was coming back from lunch. He said, where you been? I said, I'm coming back from lunch. And I said, where are you going to lunch? He says, I don't take lunches because I don't want to look like you. <laughs> I mean, adding him to our office dynamic with Rocky Felker has turned uh, turned my little wing right there in the corner of, of the Bulldog Club offices. And so I get to listen to those two pontificate all day, and then we all make fun of each other, which is absolutely phenomenal. All right, it's uh, Sunday coffee. Can we, we get a that's football? That's <laughs> <laughs> Ron Polton on for saying that's baseball. Can you please record him saying that's football? <laughs> oh yeah, he'll do anything. If you just he'd be like Anchorman. You could you could put anything in front of him and he'd just read it. Okay. Um, so we played Texas A and M yesterday. We got beat twenty eight to seven. Just got no, fit. we did. Yeah, we did. We got beat twenty eight fourteen. Did we? We scored 14 points. We did score 14 points. I forgot about the – I didn't see you gave up on us too soon. I completely checked out for the fourth quarter. I sure did. Um, and here's the thing, Charlie. I'm kind of shaking the cobwebs this morning. Alexa, what time is it? And, you know, the time is 7.15. Well, I told you I was going to be here at 7.20. Anyway, um, yesterday we played Texas A&M, and we lost 28-14. to and so I guess the question I'm going to ask you, and I asked you this on the postgame show last night. This is how we started the postgame last night. Make me feel better. Make me say something positive. Okay, I am going to make you feel better, and I think there's a reason to feel better. And keep in mind, I'm a lawyer. I don't have to believe what I say. But I'm going to say it. And I do think you should believe this. Number one, I'm going to borrow from the old Jason Garrett post-game press conference because what Jason Garrett you say is we evaluate our team in three phases, offense, defense, and special teams. And so I don't want to talk about any one game. I want to talk about where we are as a program. I think that's the bigger question. But right? you got to ask yourself this question too. Jason Garrett was a phenomenal failure at a place where you should win. But go ahead. He looks pretty good by comparison right now to uh, Mike McCarthy. So – very true. You know, we could pin a lot on the general manager of the Dallas Cowboys, I'm afraid. But in any event, Jura. just play along. Three phases, offense, defense, special teams. I'm not looking at yesterday. I'm looking at big picture. And if we were going to break it down, I think Meatloaf once saying that two out of three ain't bad. All right? So what do we got? Defense. I want you. They're good, right? I need you. No, no, no. You're not going to sing on a Sunday. No. All right, defense, good. Special teams, eh, okay. I mean, you know, take it or leave it. Good enough. Yeah, it's fine. You know, other than yesterday, which, again, we're looking macro, not micro. A lot better than Amos Jones' special teams. So, two out of three. Now, so, when we leave the ball game and we say things like, we're terrible, this team is awful, this team makes me drink or what have you, what we're really saying what people are really saying, because I wouldn't say those things, is we have an offense problem. We have one phase of the game that is crippling us everywhere. Let me ask this question. If 
when you start talking about the offense and the offensive troubles, and of course everybody and the brothers trying to dissect it right now about the coverages that we're facing and all this stuff. You okay? You got the COVID? Yeah. Well, had it, but yeah, lingering effects. Okay. Um, is it a situation of is it personnel? Is it because I just look out there and I and I see just the ease sometimes, and we talked about this some in the post game last night. Is it more mental? I mean, I think it, it looks mental to me. It, it looks to me like we need to, you know, put our change in our left pocket and turn our hat around backwards. It looks like we're just swimming in our own head right now. Cut, a, you know, cut the head off a live chicken or something. I mean, take the kids bowling, you know. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, uh, I don't know where these – Go bo- play some dodgeball today. Yeah. Is that yeah. illegal anymore? But – I think the offensive line needs to play some laser tag. I mean, no, no, seriously. I oh, mean, look, it's like the Steve Sachs effect right now. Yeah. And for those who were not as old as me, Steve Sachs was the Dodger second baseman who couldn't make the throw to first without putting it in the bleachers. Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, and I never liked Chuck Knobloch. He was a Texas A&M guy, so I probably should have used him as an example. He was an unsympathetic, unsympathetic character. But bottom line, Rick Ann Keel, the pitcher who just all of a sudden couldn't throw it in the vicinity of home play. Yeah, five wild pitches in one inning in a playoff game. Or if you're a golf guy, David Duvall, guy won the British Open, and next thing you know, can't hit one. Just got the shanks, man. And so I think that's where we are, honestly, a little bit. I think there's a little bit to that. I also think that they're you – know, like, let's break it down on offense, okay? So we've broken down our big three phases, and I think we would agree that our problem is in one of those phases. Yes. We agree on that. We've got an offensive problem. So then let's drill down with an offense. Your receivers, eh, I mean, you know, take them or leave them. They're fine. We don't really have the chance to evaluate running backs in the classic sense, so you can throw them out. So it's coming down to two things. Are we going to talk about Colin Hill? No. No. Um, so it's really coming down to two things. Are you blocking it and are you throwing it well? We're going to footnote Kylan Hill, say C below. We'll talk about him in a little bit. You're not blocking it very well, and you're not throwing it very well, and those two things go hand in hand. So why aren't you blocking it well? I I think it goes back to what you're saying. I think it's mental. You know, Matt Wyatt made a great point on the post game last night. We tend to sometimes get caught up in this idea of our five blocking three, but a lot of times within that five and those three – it's really a one-on-one matchup that we're just losing. But you got to figure out who the one is. To me, that's the big thing. you got to figure out who the one is. Because I think your heads are swimming so hard. If guys are coming free as hard as they are, then you got the, you got the answer wrong. You know what I'm saying? Okay, who am I supposed to block? You know, back in the old days, <laughs> when, when I was a Nunaway quarterback, I had a center named Rocky Miles. Rocky, phenomenal guy, great guy. But he moved from guard to tackle, okay? And, I, and I'm, I'm going to get to an answer in a minute. And we get to the line of scrimmage, and I kid you not, I grew up in that offense, and he, he turned around and he'd say, okay, who do I block? And I'd say, okay, you got the backside linebacker. And I would just tell him. I think you got a lot of that. You've got some guys shuffling around, you know, this coaching staff is trying their best. They're moving guards to tackles and tackles to center. And, you know, just they're they're trying to figure things out. And I think a lot of that, some of that is getting to the line. And I'm not saying they don't know who to block. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying they get up there and they're like, okay, what, what do I do? 
Well, and you look at Texas A&M yesterday, I thought probably more than anybody that we've played so far, they were moving guys around. Yeah. They were – they saw a weakness and they attacked it. They'd have three or four guys standing up there. Some of them are dropping. Some of them aren't. They don't make it easy on you to figure out who it is to block. And, you know, Luke Falk said earlier, you know, last week we had Luke on with an interview who was absolutely phenomenal. Um Luke said the thing about, you know, being an offensive lineman, once you figure it out with the splits, with, you know, you're blocking a completely different way than you've ever been blocking before, once you figure it out, it's actually easier. But it's just getting to that point. And and he even brought it up. Mason Miller is a very well-respected offensive line coach. I can't, you know, say that enough. And he knows what he is doing. Um, it's just a situation of – you got to figure it out. I think th- I just go, I go back to and everybody nobody had a spring practice, so you you say well we didn't have a spring practice. Well, neither, neither did Texas A and M, but we're trying to implement a new system, and I think I just go back to the point. I think that affects the offensive line more because they can't do the outside drills one on one that the other positions can do, and I, I just go back to the point of. They're learning via Zoom, and they're you know you, you just can't practice until you get to the actual practice on the field with your offensive line. Yeah, and if you look at it too, if you had to have a problem on a Mike Leach coach team, isn't the one that should be the most fixable your offense? I mean, we're talking about a guy who scored as many points as anybody during the time that he's been coaching. I think I guess I should say two things. One, it makes it a little more mystifying. You don't – it's harder to understand how a guy who is this offensive genius has an offense that's struggling as bad as it is. But on the other hand, you've got a guy who's very well equipped to go fix that problem. Okay, now let's go to the, the hot topic, quarterback. Wasn't Will Rogers offered by Mike Leach at Washington State? Yeah, in fact, it was really his only other major college offer. That's what I thought. And so – Let's ask this question, and we said it last night on the on the post game. And I mean, I'm not trying to come across as a KJ Costello apologist here, but the, everybody judges KJ based upon what Gardner Minshew was able to do in 2018. Graduate transfer, going into a system, had success, you know, wherever he had been, and then you get there and you have that magical season. The thing about Washington State with you know with Gardner is that the other 21 guys understood what you were doing. Here, KJ's learning just like everybody else. And so you talk about that offensive line trying to figure things out. He's trying to fight through some things. And you wonder when he's had some adversity, if he's holding on the ball a little bit longer simply because his head's swimming a little bit too. Will Rogers comes into the game last night and it moves us up and down the field. Here's the thing I, I look at, and I kept looking at the stats of Washington State quarterbacks over the last you know eight years. It always seemed there was a constant, and the constant was is they averaged in every just about every game 10 yards per completion with their passing yards, okay? We're right now stuck at about six and a half, seven, okay? Will came in last night. I think he you know, completed 15 passes for 120. That's eight, okay? We haven't gotten to that second level level is what we're doing. It, it seems like there are so many short checkdowns. We're not getting explosive plays at all. So let me ask you this question. Everybody talks about 
you know, putting Will in at quarterback. And we always say the sexiest person on a college campus is the backup quarterback. <laughs> I mean, and no matter – I mean, it was – You know, when we had Derek Tate, we wanted Matt Wyatt. When we had Matt Wyatt, we wanted uh, Wayne, Wayne Mack. Mack. And then we wanted Matt Wyatt back again. And then we wanted, <laughs> then we wanted Kevin Fant. You know, take out Mack and bring in Fant. And it was just it's, – it's a constant. Let me ask this question without getting too deep into this. Is the reason that we're – that so many people are clamoring for Will – because they know the family, they they know Wyatt. They know. I mean, they know the mom. I mean, the the mom's from Louisville. Wyatt was a coach at Winston. I mean, I've I've known these guys. My you talk about a great family. Will's a great kid. Is it any of that? Of that? Oh, goes? sure. There is some of that, um, and I know there's some of that for me as well. Just because for the same reason, I know them. But the other thing is, you know, I used to work with a lawyer who. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with the saying, but it's one that I liked. And he said, let's do something even if it's wrong. And at some point you hit a spot where even if that's not the right answer, you got to try some others. And I want to go back to your point about being a KJ apologist. I think if I were a head football coach and I have a guy come transfer into my school who by everybody's indication is a draft, a draftable quarterback, and a guy who's coming here to improve his spot is a draftable quarterback. It's really tough, not just for whatever loyalty or appreciation you have for him or desire to help him, but for your ability to get transfers in the future, you hate to see a guy come in, have a bad couple of games, and then you put him on the bench because the ramifications are much bigger than just pulling a sophomore quarterback. Now, at the same time, we all know that at the end of the day, teams got to come first and you've got to do what you have to do. I'll go back to your comments earlier about our offense, about you know needing a day. I don't think you said day at the water park. That one's already been taken. <laughs> no, right? no. We don't, we, don't, take. we don't need the water park. <laughs> but about doing something, what more can you do? I mean, now and then if you got to change things up, we don't have the luxury of replacing the whole offensive line. There's not a waiver wire. We can't go out and make a trade. They are who they are. But quarterback is a position, in, in fact, the most high-profile position, where you can make a change and hope that it triggers something. It's the turning your hat around backwards, to borrow your example from earlier. And on another note, in this season, this particular season, you don't have Gardner-Webb, you don't have Tennessee Tech, you don't have Tennessee Martin that you can try to get it right with. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't have that. You don't have that luxury. I know we got Vandy coming up in a few weeks, but let me tell you, we hope. Yeah, exactly. But Derek Mason's a pretty good defensive guy. And well, so, and I say we hope because Vandy's had trouble getting a team on the field. They have both because they've had guys opt out. They've had some illness. So you, you don't have that week that you've had in the years past, or Alcorn State or Jackson State or somebody that's an FCS, where you can try to figure some things out. We don't have that luxury. I mean, we get a week off, and then we play Alabama, who last night <laughs> looked really, really good. Yeah, but, you know, it's pretty interesting, too, how your ideas of a season change as you go through. You look at our schedule right now. There are some games that appear winnable that didn't. You know, Missouri's a winnable game. Auburn all of a sudden looks winnable. I mean, the schedule, it's funny how, like, when you pull it all out at the beginning, how things change. Now, 
we're not going to beat anybody till we figure out a few things up front. And we're going to have to deal with teams who are going to throw a lot of coverage at us. You know, that was the other thing, too. I didn't think Texas A&M was in the mold last yesterday, last night, whatever you want to call it, of selling out to come after the quarterback. But, boy, they got to him. They did on a um, on a third down. I think you know we had uh, we had the punt, and they get called for like eight penalties. On oh one, my god! On, on one play, we settled for the ladder. The guy tried to jump over the block, and we got the ball. and We go three and out. So I think we had a you know a, a gain of of nothing and a, a pitch and catch of six, and then a sack. And I was standing in the M club, and on that third down play, and I promise you it looked like a jailbreak. I mean, Costello had no shot whatsoever. Would you say that they kind of picked their spots? They did. They picked their spots. You know, but a lot of times they were getting back there without bringing extra guys, end up having six sacks in the game. And you mentioned this last night, had four coming in on the whole season. Yeah, sometimes it just sets up better for you. You know, sometimes you have that matchup. I guess the, they're, the, they were looking for this matchup. <laughs> Plural. So where do we go from here? I mean, is it is it it is what it is? The old Stansberry, the is what it is. Um, you play Alabama next. I, I keep going back to the point of, you know, we we've seen this offense have some success. Um, All right, let me it's stop not, you a second. Alabama next. Does that, in your mind, argue against making Will Rogers your starting quarterback? Meaning, a lot of times, let's, again, use baseball as an example. Sometimes you want that guy to stay in the minor leagues a little bit longer. You want the guy to make his first start as a pitcher against a team that's, you know, not the Yankees, right? You want to be able to you want Gardner Webb? put somebody in a situation where they can have success. Gardner Watson? Yeah, I mean. You remember that? Hey, so we played Gardner Webb that year. And, of course, Mr. C, Jack, Crystal, lived in Tupelo. There's an ice company in Tupelo called Gardner Watson. And I sat beside him. I was I was uh, spotting for him the whole game. And I promise you, he called Gardner Webb, Gardner Watson half the time. But go ahead with your point. Randy Stewart. <laughs> you know, my favorite Jack uh, name to ever have to pronounce. We were playing somebody in basketball, but their center was Chief Kicking Stallion Sims. Yes. That was his last name. We're just going to call him Chief. By the time he just became the Chief. <laughs> Throw it to the Chief. <laughs> um, oh, boy. We almost, by the way, had a Jack Crystal moment last night. Now, we we got it, We were able to get away from it thanks to a pick six. But, you know, the drive of the game back to Tupelo and those kind of things. Our play of the game last night, boy, the highway patrolman. He made a big run. Well, and that's the thing is when, it, when, the, when we had the pick six – and Emmanuel Forbes runs it back for a touchdown. I mean, I think I sent a text to all you guys that said, well, dadgum, there goes the trooper from being the play of the game. <laughs> and He at least got an honorable mention, right? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, The closing speed was just outstanding. So I was looking at that last night. Evidently, you know, PETA tweeted out. I don't know if there's an organization that people just love to hate more than PETA. But they tweeted out last night about, uh, you know, these, these girls that, that, that did the – uh, the, the signs that ran out on the field yesterday, evidently that is something that happens at a lot of Texas A&M games, is they have this muscular dystrophy uh, part of their vet school where they, they have dogs and they're, you know, and it's like, like 
stop these dogs from being in cages and all this stuff. And so evidently this happens and has happened before at Texas A&M games, and they just show up yesterday. Here's what I want to know. I I want them to show me how they got close to the field. Because let me tell you, I've got an all-access pass, and I can't get there. I mean, they must have really done a heck of a job because if there's anybody that does a great job, it's our game management staff of keeping people away from getting down there. All right, so I want to kind of unpack one other thing on that too. People, I don't think there are very many people who are at the game who took any offense to the tackle that was made, but some people would ask, why do you make that tackle? And that is this. If you are in the mode of being a law enforcement officer, you don't know what somebody's going to do when they get on that field. you got to take them down. You have to consider them a threat. You can't just walk out there and say, hand me your sign, let's go. But how much of it is for the future as well? Because let me tell you this. If there was any ounce of me or any ounce of a student who had maybe had a couple of those Miller lights from or Coors lights from the concession and says, you know what, let's take off our shirts and let's run on the field. Let me tell you something. Last night when I saw that happen, that would take away any doubt whatsoever. No, I, no. I'm no. not outrunning him. No, I'm, first, yeah, you're, first of all, you're not outrunning him. But second of all is he lowered the shoulder a little bit and, and got low. I mean, he put his head on the football. I mean, he put his head on the football, and, and his legs didn't die. What's the old adage? Hey, son, put your head on the football, and you keep driving. He kept driving. He played through the whistle. Yes, sir. He played through the but whistle. But to me, the best part of it was, you know, the the girl, you know, people are stupid. People are stupid. And then I think as the older we get, the stupider people get. But it was almost like, no, I'm not getting them walking. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We're going to make sure that your boots don't fall off when we drag you off this field. Um, to me, that was that was pretty funny. But did you see the videos? Have you seen the videos? Oh, yeah. 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 Man. The internet reacts. It did. So, for all you kids out there listening, and uh, for all you, um, you guys out there that want to try to act like you were in college – if you ever want to think about running out there, think about that guy. I think he ran in like the Boston Marathon or something, didn't he? Or the, he ran in a marathon. Uh, he showed some great closing speed. Man, got after it. Whew. Well, anyway, um, I thought that was going to be a play of the game that Emmanuel Forbes has the pick, has the pick six. Look, it, man, let's go back to this, by the way. A, a, a couple of positives, or I suppose you could take it as a negative. Um, if Martin Emerson plays like he does, we won't have him four years. No. Emmanuel yeah. Forbes looks good. I mean, our defense, I, I, I am still blown away. Now, look, let's be fair. You can kind of cut some things both ways. Number one, of those 28 points, one of the drives starts at the one. So, yeah. I mean, you gave them that touchdown. And the other was at the nine. Yeah, so take those two off. Well, that brings up the other thing. You know, we talk about interceptions. You know, fumbles are the other way that you lose the football. And so you, they're gifted two touchdowns. And as bad as we feel right now, if you take – and I know you can't do this because the game's sequential. But on the one hand, you can take off a couple. Can't blame those on the defense. On the other hand, if I were trying to rebut that, what I'd say is Texas A&M a little bit kind of took the air out of it late. You know, you had the running back Spiller who didn't have a carry in the fourth quarter, for example. And so it doesn't matter, though. Add it up. You can't ask for more out of this defense than you're getting. On that pick six, we brought a corner. We brought the corner from the backside, 
and I think Mon saw it at the very end. And so what do you do if you bring a corner on on the backside? You play tight on the other because you know if if he is able to throw it, he's going to have to go short. And then I think he read that, so we came up tight and we defended the crap out of it, man. Of course, I think a ball went off a helmet, pops up in the air. Forbes he carried it. a ways too. It did, and so Forbes did a good job. Hey, after he intercepted the ball, he started weaving. I mean, that Grenada kid looked good trying to slide in and out and then, you know, ends up with a touchdown. And I thought right there, I was like, hey, we're back in this thing. But A&M, to me, if, if I'm doing the A&M show this morning, I'm sitting there going, the next drive right after that is the plays of the game. That 51-yard touchdown pass to answer by Kellen Mon, to me that was the play of the game because it was 14-7. We were in the game. We were excited about it, and then, boom, you throw the long touchdown, and it goes from 14-7 to 7 to 21-7. to 7. I thought that was the answer that kind of broke the back. So, the other thing, you know, if we're let's play that role a minute for the A&M show. We're saying you ran the ball effectively. You're saying that Kellen Mond did enough, which was he just kind of managed the game. He didn't really have to do anything. The other thing that I'm kind of talking about, is the fact that Mississippi State only had 23 yards per net per punt net. A&M got some return yards in the punt game. That had a lot to do with kicking some low-line drives. That's something we got to fix. Yeah, you got to fix the low-line drive punt. And Tucker Day has been so good until yesterday. And you wonder how much the punt block early affected him. Um you, that's just one of the things. Yeah, it will. Be, because it was a jailbreak. I mean, they came up and they, they blocked the punt. And then in the back of your mind the rest of the day, you're just trying to figure out a way to get it out of there. And so that turns into some live drives. The other thing I'm talking about is how the most useless stat of the ball game was time of possession. We had the ball 12 and a half minutes in the second quarter. Didn't score. We didn't have the ball many times in A&M territory. We, we that had, was the drive that we did right at the end of the first half. We got it down in A&M territory, and then we quickly started backing up. End up with, what, a second and 28? Was it a clip? Wasn't it a clip in the I back on was. the sideline? And then you had a sack or two, and it was just – did we call timeout to punt? I wonder, yeah. did we call timeout to say, hey, we may kick a field goal here? Well, I didn't understand it either way, because if you're going to kick the field goal, you want to do it with three seconds left, not 35. So I'm not sure what all went into that. Sometimes you – you know, that that's just – I haven't figured that one out. Well, enjoyed it as always. We try to keep these at about 30 minutes. We're at 27 and a half right now. We got anything to – here's the positive from yesterday is I didn't have to look at the milkmen. Oh, wait, we've got to do it. We've, we've got to mention, and we footnoted it earlier, we got to mention the Kylan Hill situation. I'll let, you, I'll, let the, you, I'll let you handle this one. All right, I'm just going to give you a straight answer. I got no idea. I have no idea if he's coming back. I have no idea when he's coming back. The only thing I know is that Mike Leach made it very clear in his post-game press conference after Kentucky and in meetings since that people are going to be on board or they're not. And if I had to guess, I would say that Mike Leach is helping uh, send that message. I don't know that. And keep in mind, too, you know, we had Will Rogers miss. Kids are going to miss games this year. I don't know. I got no idea. Okay. Well, I was – I didn't know if you knew more than I did because sometimes you do. 
we have tentacles all over town. And well, people, I hear rumors. Yeah, you hear rumors, but I, you know, you don't know. You have no idea because here's the thing that I've learned, and I, and I, we have a new guy that works in the Bulldog Club, Nick Cobb. You know Nick? Oh, great guy, Nicholas Cobb. Pretty good golfer. Nick is a phenomenal person. Phenomenal person. And I told Nick this week, and I was like, here's the thing you've got to understand working in this business. There are people out there who will start a rumor that may sound like, you know, that could happen. And they will say it with such fury. And then they'll find a, a big donor or two, and they'll sell them on the idea. And then the, maybe the big donor will repeat it to somebody else. And then the people are saying, hey, let me tell you something. So-and-so, he's got some ties to the athletic department. Man, let me tell you something. Here's what he's saying, and he would know. And let me tell you something. It all starts out with a complete, utter, bald-faced lie that somebody may have an agenda. So I'm saying that to say this. Sometimes rumors are can be close to right. Sometimes there's some smoke. But sometimes they're just started by some bad people. Yeah. And you just don't know. But I mean, here's what we know. We know that after the ball game, Mike Leach said he wasn't available this week and I don't know what his situation is going forward. I think that's what we know. But it sounds to me like the situation is fluid and we'll just have to wait and see. And we got an off week this week. So I think a lot of things are going to be figured out this week in all facets. I think you know, last week we talked about them opening up all the positions and saying you got to fight for your job. Just because you've been here and you've done that for a long time doesn't mean that you're going to be the starting whatever. I think you're going to see more of that in the next couple of weeks as well. That's what you usually do in an off week. And so I think you'll see more of that as well. Charlie enjoyed it. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to be a sunshine pumper for one second, Bart, before we go. You? I'm going to bring it back to your question from the beginning. You asked, what's the reason for hope? The reason for hope is we're good enough on special teams. We're really good on defense. And we only have one thing to get figured out. And it's a situation where you've got a coach who knows how to do it. I've got a live chicken. I don't mind sparing. Was it a chicken or a rooster? A rooster. Yeah, you cut the head off a live rooster. Bull Durham reference for you. i got to find a rooster. I don't have a rooster. I bet there's one to be found in Nanawoya. Maybe you ought to head down there this afternoon. I'll head to Nanawoya. <laughs> I'll find us a, a live rooster. We'll cut the head off that sucker. I'll be the sacrifice. <laughs> We're going to get this offense rolling. Appreciate y'all joining us on this uh, Sunday coffee. Hey, don't forget, during the, the week on Thursdays, we throw together a show. It's called Out of Left Field. And um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We have three great sponsors, Farm Bureau, Cannon Ford of Startville, and then Country Pleasing Sausage. I'm going to go back to the house right now and um, and eat some Country Pleasing. i tell you what I did do yesterday is I went to the concession stand, and I, and I bought, I mean, with money, I bought one of the Country Pleasing Pineapple Pork Sausages. They got the, the the pickled onions and stuff on it, man. Let me tell you something. That's legit. Do you still have that maple you bought brought me? No. Like a month ago, you told me I'm bringing you some. Yeah, Henry gave me some maple and told me to bring it to you. So hey, give this to Charlie. Um, let's just say I think I lost it. Okay, all right. Appreciate y'all listening, and uh, we'll be back on Thursday. And and if you're just driving through the state of Mississippi, our thanks to our friends at WFCA French Camp 107.9. They play it on Thursday nights between 6 and 7, right before Dog Talk with Mike Leach. And so we'll have that uh, this week as well. So appreciate you guys listening. Tweet us your questions 
at Bart and Charlie. That's our out of left field Twitter account, or send it to me at Bart Gregory or at Charlie Winfield. Tweet me the positive crap. Send all the negative junk to Charlie. So anyway, appreciate y'all. Thank you.